Welcome to North Beach Now. I'm Blair Helsing. We're sitting in the Supper Club. Tell me all about it. Well, it's got some history, definitely, and you can kind of feel it when you're down here. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful, warm, intimate space to be with people you enjoy talking to and listen to music at the same time. And we put a pretty amazing sound system in here so we could achieve those things. 140 Columbus Avenue is a touch point of North Beach with Jackson Square and with Chinatown. Combining at this address are the arts and sciences of viniculture, winemaking, musicianship, and cuisine. This episode is about two vineyards and a supper club, about 140 Columbus Avenue in North Beach and the Bay Area outpost of Cloverdale, about biodynamic farming and a landmark nightclub space right here. This is an interview with Dawn Agnew, the hospitality director of Echo Torino Wine Tasting Room and the Lion and Swan Supper Club, both at 140 Columbus. Between Jackson and Pacific, you walk in from the sidewalk to sample and purchase wine. Dinner and musicians await you one flight down where the Purple Onion and many other lifetimes of entertainment have lived. Mark Lyon, L-Y-O-N, is the enterprising winemaker who brought these places into being, and here is some of his story. Well, it's pretty cool how it came about, and I think it is incredibly serendipitous because Mark Lyon was the first out gay winemaker in the country, um, maybe in the world, because it happened right on the hills of the AIDS crisis, which took a lot of courage. Um, for him to come out in the mm -hmm. San Francisco Chronicle and then go back and tell his bosses, by the way, I came out in the Chronicle. So he's always embraced diversity, acceptance, um, true, being true to yourself. And it's kind of what this space exudes that we're in right now. But he wanted to open a tasting room and the saturation of tasting rooms in Sonoma and Napa is, as everyone knows, just crazy and getting crazier. Dawn Agnew and I talked about how the building is set up now and the roles the building has played in the past century. So we have our member salon where we have 250 gallons of wine being produced on the second floor. We have our tasting room on the ground floor and we have the supper club in the basement. And it's really all-encompassing and lovely and he's super excited that we're here. Um, so he decided to purchase this building didn't know a lot about the history, loved the space, felt like it was a turnkey, um, and it wasn't, um, because we needed to have some engagement and some diversified revenue opportunities. Instead of just a tasting room on the ground floor with cheese, it needed to be more than that. So we were going to gut the kitchen on the top floor, which was almost like a catering kitchen mm -hmm. for the prior owner turn that into an exhibition kitchen and kind of educational space where we could do private dinners and winemaker luncheons and all this fun educational stuff, wine pairing courses, blending sessions, and then have our tasting room on the ground floor. And the intent was to turn this supper club that we have now over to a vendor, build a small kitchen out for them and turn it over to a vendor. But because of permitting and being a historical building, we couldn't do that. And 
that's when we began diving into the history of the space. And it became a really happy accident that we get to keep this space as well because it's yet another label level of diversified yep. revenue opportunity. It's mm -hmm. another level of engagement with our members that are joining the wine club. Sure. It's just so much more to the entire space than we ever anticipated it could be. Two hours north in Cloverdale, the Echo Terreno crew tends vineyards and makes wine. Don described the special approach and the practices that they use. He also has this philosophy um, of biodynamic and organic farming and regenerative farming. So he's a very responsible, uh, incredible man that is invested in community at all levels. And that's our wildlife community as well as our neighborhood community. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. <laughs> There's some wildlife in North Beach, but I know you're talking about the Alexander Valley, probably. Yeah. When did the vineyard get started? So he purchased, Mark purchased the vineyard with his father. I can't remember the exact year. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but they purchased it when he was a winemaker at Sebastiani and sold a lot of the wines to Sebastiani and other winemakers because it is a historical vineyard as well. Robert Young was the owner who is a very famous wine pioneer of Sonoma County and he purchased that vineyard and there was some old vine on the vineyard, which we still have, old vine Sauvignon Blanc and old vine Cabernet Sauvignon. And um, in 2012, he decided to start making his own label. So he stopped selling all of the fruit and started keeping a lot of it for himself and started the Echo Terreno label. And then it has slowly grown into this regenerative farming and biodynamic farming and um, very invested in sustainability and very invested in keeping the soil healthy and also um, the DTC program which is our direct to consumer wine program the wines that we sell in the tasting room and a smaller wholesale line that he sells in grocery stores and we also have a purpose line that is created just for donation for LGBTQ, um, social justice, Sauvignon Blanc, and uh, cultivating community. That came from our support for North Beach citizens. Okay. It's for unhoused and unfed. And then climate conscious Cabernet is for environmental. So we have these wholesale line, direct to consumer line, which is a little bit more elevated than wholesale, and then our purpose okay. line, which is for donation. Oh, I see. So he has grown that product line pretty substantially since 2012. Here's a bit more about the vineyards in Cloverdale. So there's been a lot of thought into how the, the vines are tended to and fertilized. And I, I saw on your website there are stories about cow horn and cow manure and your care for bees and fowl and, uh, and your cover crops. Would you like to talk more about that? All yes, that stuff. All of that. It's, it's, there's a lot there. So there's a lot. And um, it's really all the basis and the core of all of that started with biodynamic farming, um, which is a creating a farming community that is all working towards its 
priority and core product, which in our case happens to be vines that create wine. And there are a lot of um, there are a lot of people that look at biodynamic philosophy, uh, which was started by Rudolf Steiner. He uh, was also someone who started Waldorf schools, and he just believed in the whole person, the whole farm unit, and that everything had to work towards that one goal of producing this product together. So you um, have your cow horns that you put your biodynamic clean manure into and bury them for a year and then the moon drives a lot of the activity on the farm. The moon drives your harvest, it drives your harvesting times, it drives your seeding times, it drives your cover crop planting, mm -hmm. it drives your horn burial, your horn unburial. However, in the world of wine, it is a crop that when your sugars hit a certain point, you can't let them stay on the vine. You yeah. have to harvest. Yes. So it might not be when there's a full moon <laughs> or a new moon. It might not be that case. Sometimes it is. And we actually make a Sauvignon Blanc that is called Luna Yena, and it was uh, when we were able to harvest on the full moon. So we call it Luna Yena, and it's our full moon harvest Sauvignon Blanc. Every time we have an opportunity to do that, we will. Um, but horns um, help with the calcium component to then take out and replant. Re that's what we use um, to compost our soil, is the manure that's been living in the horns buried underground for eight months. Um, we take that out, and when we put it in, it's soaking wet manure that everybody can't stand getting on their hands, except me, of course. I like getting it everywhere. And then when we shake that manure out, it's dry, and it crumbles, and we mix it with our soil, and it is an incredible compost. It's highly concentrated, right? Very highly concentrated. Mm -hmm. You need a lot less of it. Um, we also, our cover crops may change from year to year because they're all dependent on what the soil is needing. So it might need more. It might need more um, vitamin D in one area, or it might need more calcium in another. So we plant our cover crop according to the soil's needs. And then we create sprays from teas. We have some tea brewers up there that are huge um, that create a vortex as it's stirred. And we used to do a lot of this by hand. We actually had to go up and stir this water and our compost by hand to then spread over the right. soil. Um, but we now have these two large brewers that create a vortex and stirring that water and getting all that aeration in there so it's a healthy cover mm. for, the for the soil I with see. the compost and the water. Mm. Um, the teas, then there are some of them that we also spray, and there are different times of the growing season that you spray different parts of the vine. You start in biodynamics, you start with the soil and you create the healthy soil, and then as the season progresses, you move up that vine. So you're starting with the roots, and then you're moving up into the leaves, and then you're concentrating on the fruit. So at different points, you're spraying with different natural components mm -hmm. so that you're bringing more sunlight in for the leaves and bringing more um, sunlight in for the fruit and then creating a barrier for moisture and certain mm -hmm. things you're using in the spring to keep harmful insects away and attract beneficial insects mm -hmm. and you're using all the different um, herbs, compost, eggshells mm -hmm. to create these sprays and mm. these teas and these soil covers mm. and you're also using um, silica 
is a big component, which is a natural component in soil that you can mix with the eggshells to create these cover crop spreads and then these manure soil spreads. Um, I'm trying to think of what else goes into biodynamic farming. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a hands, I call it a hands-on, light-touch farming philosophy because it requires a lot more work than traditional farming methods. When you get these things, everything where it belongs, you just sit back and let it work. Um, you watch the fruit grow and then you ferment it without too in much intervention. Um, it doesn't need as much intervention. It's a healthier fruit product. Um, it's just a really amazing process. And what is really fantastic about all of it is it's a regenerative farming philosophy that creates a healthy soil environment. And soil is the unsung hero of carbon sequestration. It holds so much more carbon than even our forests do, um, and it's just dying. So by creating a healthy soil and practicing low-till or no-tilling so that you use less water, it is critical for our entire um, climate issue that we're facing right now. It's soil. Soil, soil. It's the unsung hero. So that's what our philosophy and regenerative farming practices are promoting, is a healthier environment. That's fascinating. And great wine, too. Yes. <laughs> Can't leave that out. Do you see that these practices spreading throughout Sonoma? Uh, is, is there Are there relationships with other growers who do this kind of thing where you can get some economies of scale or that sort of thing? Or are you sort of on your own? No, um, you know, we are one of the larger, um, if not the largest, regenerative farmed property in Sonoma. Um, but we're not the first. Um, there's, there's people that we've really tried to watch. Um, when, Benziger. Benziger was probably, oh. may have been one of the pioneers actually in that. Um, Michael ben, Mike Benziger, he's been practicing biodynamic, I'm sorry, yeah, biodynamic farming for, God, I'm trying to figure out how long, but I'm not sure exactly. And um, I was going to say regenerative farming, but it's biodynamic that he really focuses on, which in itself is regenerative. But we... We're one of the larger, and I do think that Sonoma County really focuses more on organic and biodynamic and regenerative farming a lot more than Napa does. Um, the county as a whole is trying to drive that organic farming and how important it is to our environment mm. more aggressively mm. than Napa. And, I, and there's things about wine and beverages, beer, yeah. spirits, and wine. Mm -hmm that I don't think people really think about as much as they do in their food. Because I know a lot of people right. that go out and they will buy nothing but organic food. And they'll eat nothing but organic food. But they drink anything. And the really weird thing about that is food, even if it's not organic, is rinsed and it's cooked. And grapes, when they come off the vine, 
they're put right into a fermentation vessel without being rinsed. They're sitting in there with all those chemicals, mostly Roundup, literally cooking in a fermentation vessel. Um, and then they'll move it right into an aging vessel. And all of those chemicals are staying in that beverage. And that's true for wine, for beer, for spirits. And it's hard, it's really hard to find organic beer and spirits. And wine, you can find more organic options. And it's critical to, to think about what you're drinking as much as you think about what you're eating. Good point. You have two different vineyards, right? Yes. And they're both right next to the river. Are they adjacent to one another, or are they separate on no, the riverbank? No, they're both. They're separate. Cisne Vineyard is further up the road, um, or down the road, a couple of miles. Mm. Not far. Uh-huh. Um, but they are separate. They're not one large vineyard property. They are separated, so they have different soil. Sure. And they have uniqueness to proximity of the river. Um, and we are able to keep a nice pond at Cisne to water all of our um, fruit trees, which is really cool. And then we have our produce garden with all of our vegetables and herbs on and olive trees on Lion oh. Vineyard. Okay. So Lion butts up closer to the river. Ah. Cisne is a little further back from uh-huh. the river, but it runs through both properties. And all that, all that produce you bring here. Uh, well, you bring it here, whether it's all of it, but you bring it here exactly. for, we do. for the club, for it, the restaurant. We absolutely do. Mm-hmm. I mean, our artichoke salad on the menu right now has the farm egg from the vineyard, from oh. our chickens, yeah. which we have a ton of. Um, and we have uh, a lot of our greens right now are coming, our winter greens are coming from the farm. So we get a lot. Our carrots are coming from the farm. Um I think we have some peppers coming from the farm. There's a lot right now on our menu from the farm. It's a good growth season right now. Let's see. What might we not have talked about so far? I definitely want to talk about your online presence a little more. Okay. What else haven't we touched on that you'd like to, if anything? Oh, my goodness. Let's think. Farming, uh, wine. Let's talk about wine for a minute um, more. We do, we are. I'll have a sip. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we produce predominantly Bordeaux varietals. The only varietal that we have right now um, that is not a Bordeaux varietal is Chardonnay. Um, Mark's wines are very textural and are um, incredibly approachable so that they can be very complimentary when paired with food, which I think is an important component of wine and drinking wine is how it works with food. So it's texturally driven um, to complement an experience of a food and wine pairing, and it's incredibly approachable. Yes, we have wines that need to be laid down for 10, 15 years that are some of our top tier wines, and we have some wines that you can open and drink right now. the wine you're having is what I consider one of those wines. It's the riverbed, and it's predominantly Cabernet Sauvignon. We do a lot of blends, but we have, some of our wines have predominant varietals, so we call that one the Cabernet Sauvignon because its predominant varietal is Cabernet Sauvignon. And it's um, kind of fun because in our Bordeaux varietals, in our vineyard, which is Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, Merlot, Petit Verdot, Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Gris, um, we have old vines that are Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon, and you will find 
almost no Sauvignon Blanc is an old vine because the older they get, the lower the yield is. The more structured and complex the fruit becomes, but the yield is so much lower. And Sauvignon Blanc doesn't really have a shelf life that is as long as a Cabernet Sauvignon. So most people will just get rid of it. Any white wine, if it's an old vine and starts mm. yielding less and less, they'll frequently just get mm -hmm. rid of it. But we have old vine Sauvignon Blanc and we also have old vine Cabernet Sauvignon. And Cabernet Sauvignon is the most grown varietal in the state of California. So there's more Cabernet Sauvignon as a varietal than any other varietal in the entire state. And of that Cabernet Sauvignon, only I think it's 8% or a little less than 8% actually can be called Old Vine. And we have Old Vine Cabernet Sauvignon and Old Vine Sauvignon Blanc, which is really neat. It's a nice part of our, our story, I believe. Um, but our wines are just wonderful and they are predominantly Bordeaux varietals. We are exploring planting for climate reasons um, of some more kind of exotic varietals because we we see a change in our climate and we need to really look at that in our future as what will be able to grow in a hotter temperature and colder temperature because we're seeing more extreme temperature variances, um, potentially more drought driven varietals and that require less water. So we are playing with some exotic varietals, but we don't make any of them. We, we just stick to our, our Bordeaux varietals right now. We might add some fun stuff in in the future, though. Okay. <laughs> Next, we talked about the Supper Club. It's so fun to be down here. We're sitting in the Supper Club. Tell me all about it. Well, it's got some history, definitely, and you can kind of feel it when you're down here. Um, it is... A beautiful, beautiful, warm, intimate space to be with people you enjoy talking to and listen to music at the same time. And we put a pretty amazing sound system in here so we could achieve those things um, seamlessly. So it's rare to be able to sit in a space and listen to music and hear each other at the table. And you really can do that here. Um, so. I am really proud of what we've achieved there, but I'm also very proud to be an ambassador of the history of the space. Um, Echo Terreno is really trying to take that and pay homage to it um, because it is such a beautiful space for acceptance and inclusivity and being true to self. It was in 1918, it was Jelly Roll Morton's Jupiter Club and that was a black and tan club where interracial couples could mingle safely and freely. It was harder for people, for black and tan clubs up on Broadway because those places would get busted a lot more frequently because mm -hmm. it was on the main drag. And this one was a little bit less under the, it was a little bit mm -hmm. more under the radar and right. in the basement. Yeah. So it, it didn't get shut down. Um, he was only here for about a year and a half, I think it was, maybe a little longer. And then after that, it was Mona's, which was the first lesbian bar on the West Coast. And they started out over on Union Street, but then, and they were just gonna be a club. And then they moved over here into the basement and there were drag king shows and their tagline was where, where girls could be boys. And it was 
um, here for quite a while before they moved up to Broadway. And they actually have a plaque on Broadway because mm. they had, were at 440 Broadway. Okay. So there's a, a plaque up there that says First Lesbian Bar Mona's 440 Broadway. But they were here before they moved there. And then uh, it was Purple Onion. And that put us on the map. That really put the building on the map yes. for the historical component of the space. And it was a launching pad for fame in the 50s and 60s. It kicked off the beatnik era. It was everything from poetry to variety to comedy for many, many, many years. And that stage has never left this room, so we had to keep it here. <laughs> Excellent. It's moved around. It was uh -huh. where the fireplace, where the fire feature oh, is that. first. Wow. That's where it was first. Okay. And then it kind of went over into that corner, uh -huh. and now we have it on this side of the room. People buy tickets or not? No, we okay. have chosen, and this is why it's so important that people have dinner here. And dinner is really important because we've chosen not to have a door fee. All right. And we have chosen to not have a per person minimum at the table. And we have amazing food. A lot of times when people think they're going to go see dinner, I mean entertainment or a show or, or enjoy live music, they're thinking they're probably going to get bar bites, uh, fried food, maybe burgers, but that's not here. Here we have amazing food. Our chef is from La Folie that closed yes. on Polk Street. Yes. So he was there with Roland Passo for eight years, and, his, and Joe Ball is our chef, and his food is absolutely amazing. So people are delighted. They're hitting every cent, sense that they can even experience down here. The food, the beverage, the company, the, the lighting, the ambiance, the entertainment. It's all hitting every, every piece of their senses, and it's exciting. You open at 5? We open at 5. On the days, uh, and it's every day but Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Every day but Tuesday and okay. Wednesday. How do people make reservations? Uh, they can. The best way is to go online okay. uh, for parties up to six people. We only have, you can see it's a very intimate space and we don't have any large tables. Mm -hmm. So we only have a couple of places that we can seat groups up to six, mm -hmm. but we don't have anything much larger than that. Okay. Um, and if online is challenging, feel free to call us okay. here. What's your number? It is 415-429-5200. And we answer the phone almost always. If we don't, we call back. So, but we're pretty good about picking up. And the, we can help with reservations or questions. Um, we have a private dinner space that we use the member salon for, for large parties, but it's not in the room with the entertainment. It is separate. But it's available for private dinner spaces. Um, and, Tuesday and Wednesday nights is also available down here for larger events, which we've done a couple okay. of, because we're closed. Yeah, uh huh. I mean, people can always do full buyouts, but we're closed uh -huh. on Tuesday and Wednesday, so it's a little easier. Okay. Is the music brought upstairs? I, I saw there's a sound system. Is it brought up there when someone's performing? Absolutely. We can, we okay. can connect the sound system on all three floors. So. Nice. You and you have a full it. bar here in the supper club. We have a full bar, but we don't yeah. have any bar seating. Uh-huh. It's just um, a service bar, but it is a visible service <laughs> bar, and it's, it's gorgeous. Right <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, the, so pretty. The whole room is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Just, 
Very impressive. It, it's just striking when you walk in. Yeah. Studio Heimat designed it, and they're a, a female team, female-owned design team that was so invested in what we wanted to bring to the space as a winery because they came up several times to visit the vineyard because we were so, it was so important to us that we use products that were sustainable, sustainably made, um, when and if at all possible. Uh, like our chairs in front, they're recycled from ocean plastic that's been pulled out of the ocean that are in front of the building, wow. the outdoor chairs. I was excited to take in some music here Here's why. Who plays on the stage now? Now we have everything. We just recently, this last, we transition it once a night. So we have an entertainer that will perform from 5 to continuously from 5 to about 7.30 with a, one or two small breaks. And then because most performers can't play for six to eight hours straight, it's tough. So they'll stop at you know, three to four hours, whatever they're comfortable with, and then someone else will grace the stage until we close at 11. It's not a show. It is dinner with live entertainment because it never stops. And when we do shows, we do a headliner, and that is dinner with a show. It means that we're going to have everybody come in at one time and everybody, and then they enjoy the show and leave, and the next group comes in all at once and enjoys the show and leaves. But we'll only do that, you know, a couple times a year. Okay. Um, and when we get busier, maybe a few more times. But So it is um, everything, our last, every two months we change it a little bit. And this last two months we had a solo pianist, we had an accordion player, which also pays homage to our building because one of the most well-known accordion producers in the entire country was upstairs called Columbo and Sons. So they had a, an accordion factory upstairs. And they made a lot of accordions in America. So we're also paying homage to that part of us as well. But we ha have uh, duos and trios and vocalists. We have jazz. We have a Cuban fusion on Friday nights right now. Um, an amazing guitarist that does a lot of flamenco. Um, this next two months, we have a Grammy Award-winning violinist on the stage. We have Marshall Forte, who does what I call kind of a half-drag show. He was the lead in Kinky Boots mm -hmm. he was here in San Francisco. I saw that. Yeah, so he does a great show called This Is Marshall, this is Marshall and he does a lot of vocals um, with a pianist that accompanies him and a multi-instrumentalist, Daniel Berkman. And we've had... Um, a lot of Grammy Award winners on the stage. We had a Raja, an amazing Indian um, vocalist. We have a Palestinian um, violinist coming up in this next round of entertainment. It's just it, jazz. Uh, it's out, it's all across. It's everything. It is just a, eclectic, and it's got so many different types of energy and talent on the stage. It's, it's beautiful. We have a couple of French duos coming up, um, a harpist. So there's some fun stuff. It's a lot of variety. You have the calendar on your website, uh -huh. right? We do. Yeah, good. I took note of how the team is recognized in these businesses, and Dawn provided more insights. I'll tell you, one thing that struck me on your website is how you give full credit to your entire crew, both here in the city and up in Alexander Valley. 
I, I would imagine this is your entire employee list. It is. So you're recognizing everyone who's part of making it happen. Everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the way it can happen, mm -hmm. is with every, every player that's involved, you mm -hmm. know? And um, I, that, is a, that is another part of, of working for this company that's pretty amazing. We, Mark has, has taken all of his philosophies about taking care of the whole farm and the whole person, and he's created a seamless integration of those things. Because we have, our benefits are, our benefits are, are amazing. I mean, they're, they're paying competitive market plus for their hourly and salary. But our benefits, not one single solitary cent comes out of our paycheck, not a cent for our health and vision and dental, for all of it. Mm -hmm. We're, it's very unusual to see a company match the 401k as mm -hmm. aggressively as mm. Mark Lyon as an owner chooses to. Um, so they, that, that whole farm philosophy and that attention to care and love that is given to our animals, our wildlife, our produce, our vineyard, our vines, all of it, transitions right into our team and our people because none of it matters if you don't have somebody that loves what they're doing because that goes right into it as well you can feel that that love here's a bit of trivia so uh, are the vineyards all within the city of cloverdale I guess that's your closest P.O. box or it whatever is. but okay it is so yeah. well you go right you basically when you're going up um the highway 101 yeah to towards cloverdale um you cloverdale used to be known all of that area really used to be known for their apples and all of their fruit trees and a lot of those have gone away mm -hmm. there's still some pretty heavy duty producers up there but even 30 years ago you could drive through sonoma that part of sonoma uh -huh. and it was just orchard after orchard after orchard after orchard so that's changed a lot in the last 30 years not so much because of wine and because of other produce, it's be a lot of it's because of climate too. So it's changed, but um, there's still a lot of produce of fruit trees up there though. And it's right when you get into Cloverdale, you just take a right, head over the river, and we're the next right down the oh, road. Okay. And it is almost immediate. It's you know two minutes from Cloverdale. Okay. In Alexander Valley. Right. Yeah, I, l I looked up on Google Maps and. <laughs> The tagline on Google Maps, well, I don't know who wrote it, but it says Cloverdale is the westernmost and northernmost city in the Bay Area. Oh, my I, gosh. I don't wow. know how quite that fits into the Bay Area, but okay, why not? Yeah, I don't know either because it is almost two hours away. <laughs> it's between Healdsburg and Ukiah, so that's a good piece. Oh, you know. that's so funny. Yeah. Western and northern. Someone nose. was inspired. Maybe the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you do wine tasting there? No. Okay. Because it is truly just a uh -huh. farm. It is hard to even drive your car uh, there because you <laughs> bring get, your tractor. Yeah, bring your tractor and your boots. It is a farm. We are not. Um, it is just agriculture, so we're not permitted to taste there. We'd have to change the permitting if we wanted to do tours and tastings right. there. So we have done some. Come farm. here to Columbus Avenue, please. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've done some farm tours there, but they're oh, not wine nice. tastings. Uh -huh. So if people want to come see the agricultural component yeah. of it, we do do some farm tours. Okay. Very good. 
Online, you will find Echo Terreno at echoterreno.com and Echo Terreno Wines on Facebook, E-C-O-T-E-R-R-E-N-O. And they're also on Instagram. You will find Lion and Swan, L-Y-O-N, Supper Club at lionandswan.com and on Facebook. Well, Don, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. I'll probably remember something right after we're finished. <laughs> Turn it back on. <laughs> we can always do a follow-up. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to North Beach Now. We distribute on all the major platforms. We write a blog about the podcast on Tumblr. You're invited to read and comment. Thanks again for listening. One more thing, a few days after talking with Don Agnew, I treated myself to dinner and music at Lion at Swan. The dinner and the Purple Onion Gibson were superb. On stage were Michelle Jacques and a guitarist and a bassist. I'm trying to find them online, the two of them. They were so good backing Michelle and playing on their own. That's it.